you can come up and sit in these two front. You can come up and sit in the front rows if you'd rather. Okay, I have a scripture to read first before I light the candles, and uh, this one is uh, in reference to the peace of Christ coming. We've celebrated already the hope that came through the Old Testament, looking at Christ, uh, His coming. And today we look at the peace of Christ. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is well pleased. Now, do you remember the candle we lit last week first was the candle for... We are looking for something that was going to come, so we look ahead. Yes. Hope. Okay. Now, the second candle is the candle of... Peace. Very good. Okay, so we have two more candles after this, joy and love. And then the third, the last candle is actually the fifth candle that will light on Christmas uh, Eve at the Christmas Eve service, and that's called the Christ candle. And so that's what we'll be doing. And so now I have to, I would like to read your catechism work for this week. It's, what does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? Let's read this together, if you will. First, that we know God as the holy, true God. Second, that we avoid all idolatry. And third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence. Does anybody know what idolatry is? It says here that, uh, you know, the second one, that we avoid all idolatry. Any adult want to volunteer an answer? Yeah, and he, both of you, yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, what it, and actually, we can, people who have uh, no, no training with faith and religion and, and all, Sometimes they put other things as their gods. What kind of things could we substitute, do you think, for God? I mean, personal things, things of the world that you might substitute and say, man, if I could only have that, I would be happy the rest of my life. What kind of things? Huh? Money. Yeah. And stuff. I, I always just put stuff. It can be houses, cars. doesn't matter what it is. You know, if you have it, then you say, oh, I'll be happy. And then, you know, after a while... You know, you find that you're not, that didn't make you as happy as you thought it would, and you look for something else. 
That's because God is the one that fills that void. He's the only one that can fill that spot in our heart that makes us happy for eternity. And so that's why we're not to put any other God before Him. And that can be anything that we put ahead of Him. It can be money, stuff, whatever. Okay? Well, now I will dismiss the children for their, their class along with their teacher. <laughs> As we open to study the Word of God, let's pray. Father, we come to You to ask You to open our minds and our hearts Cause us to be able to set aside the distractions of the this last week and the things ahead. So many different things that we think about and are planning and looking forward to. And and uh, we just ask that we could set those things aside, clear our mind, that we might truly focus on You, drawing close together and close to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I just read from chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, what is, is the picture of, of the angels and, and all from heaven, the, the shepherds uh, hearing the proclamation from the angels. And specifically, I want to focus on this morning would be uh, verses 11 through 14. And I'm going to read those again. For unto you is born this day in the, day of, in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. The focus verse this morning is verse 14, what the angels said. Okay, and and so we're going to look specifically uh, at the glory as as God receiving the glory, uh, and then this picture of on earth peace uh, among those with whom He is well pleased. And how many of you, as, as you look at it, maybe you've already received some of the the Christmas cards this season? And it's not uncommon to get one that'll say peace on earth. And the implication normally when we think of peace on earth, what would we think of? No wars. Okay, the absence of war. And, and so uh, uh, we look at this and, and think there's still war. Nation against nation. State against state. <laughs> if you want to get into political wars and, and all the things that go on. So as we look at this, there must be something that we're missing. And what it is is the kind of peace that God is bringing. And so that's what we're going to look for this morning. Let's start with the reality. This is God's plan. God has This is His plan. Man didn't come up with it. And it starts in the Old Testament. Uh, we've read from uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse uh, uh, 6 and 7. And in fact, you can see, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, Emmanuel, God with us, the verse from that. By the way, I want to, to draw your attention to this. And, I, and some people miss it, other people catch it, but 
in the midst of the picture here is the cross. Because that was the purpose that Christ came. Was to go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And this was a plan, again, before the foundation of the world. Paul put it interestingly in, in the book of Ephesians. Let me share it with you uh, from Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. What a powerful picture of God's love and glory. But it says before the foundation of the world, God had put this plan into effect. This wasn't something that, that came after the birth. It was something that was put in effect before the foundation of the world. Before Genesis 1-1 comes into the picture as a historical reference that Moses put together for us, God had the foundation laid already. He had this knowing of the need to bring us to Him through a perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And all the Old Testament led up to that. All the sacrifices repeated over and over and over again were to come to the point where the final sacrifice would be once and for all. Hebrews tells us once and for all, not to be done again. It was God's plan. It was His work. It was His grace. And it was His sacrifice. Glory to God for all that He has done for us. The unfolding of this plan of God's names a specific time and a place in Scripture. We know that it was during the time of Caesar Augustus. It was during, uh, and and he, and as Caesar Augustus was was the 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 emperor of Rome, we went through this uh, a while back here. But but the idea was Caesar wanted to do what? Get what? <laughs> Conquer the world, okay? And in the process, he wanted to know how many people he could what tax. He wanted to know how much money is coming in before he even got there. And, and uh, he wanted to, and, and to do this, he caused the, the people under his authority across the, the, the areas that Rome had conquered to go and to register. Now, most of them would register in the town that they lived in. Hebrew culture at that time required you to go to the home of your ancestry to register. And so that's what Jerry and, uh, Mary and Joseph did. They went to Bethlehem where Joseph's ancestry and Mary's ancestry was. And so, that's how God gets them to where He wants them. At the exact time and place. Genesis or, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that 
at just the right time, all of this came together. God is orchestrating this. And it doesn't matter you know, who you are as, as God moves things to happen. God's authority rules. Caesar thinks he's doing something for himself and what he's doing is acting out God's will. I love that picture. The Caesar is being God's servant in accomplishing God's purpose. So that just at the right time, he would be born. And not just the right time, but the exact right place. In the, in the, the prophet Micah, and he said that the birthplace would be Bethlehem. So to Bethlehem they go just at the right time. In Bethlehem, Jesus is born. And again, we see from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Why don't I read the, 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 the whole verse for us this morning? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I love that as a conclusion to this. The zeal of the Lord. And that word zeal is not just the word zeal. It's also used for the word jealousy. The jealousy of the Lord. My plan will be accomplished. Period. But he's called the Prince of Peace. And and the angels uh, here in, in chapter uh, 2 of Luke say, you know, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And again, we think of this idea of peace as absence of war. And uh, I, I wrote in my notes, which war? There are scholars who have, to the best of their ability, tried to find a time in history where there was no recorded war going on somewhere. You know, and they, they came up with over 200 years of recorded history where they couldn't absolutely pinpoint an, uh, a war. Well, that's simply because they weren't. They, there was no record of it, I'm sure, because I doubt that there's ever been the absence of war. And if we look at this context of war, there's more than one kind of war going on. Not just between nations and nations. How about wars between neighbors and neighbors? Can you be at odds with your neighbor? Over property lines, over whatever... You know, the, 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 there's always something you, know, you can find going on. Go to a city council meeting sometime or a planning commission meeting sometime and you'll, you'll see there's a lot of wars going on as to what, what people are feeling and thinking. And again, it has to do with what we put as to our most important thing, what I have, my possessions, my stuff. And so, peace on earth, you know, like I said, the absence of what? Nation against nation? Neighbor against neighbor? How about family member against family member? Sadly, we have those wars too.
The war that God is concerned about here, the peace that God is offering, actually isn't dealing with wars like we normally think about it. It's really far more personal. In the book of Romans, Paul is inspired to give us these, this picture, and I think it's a very uh, good picture for us to look at this morning as we get an idea of this peace on earth. Paul has been speaking in the book of Romans about the law of, of, of the Old Testament and how it points out sin and what is sin. And, 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 he, and then the fact that my flesh is warring constantly against the, 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 the idea of wanting to do what is not pleasing to God. It's a constant battle. And so he, he writes here, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right... Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, my flesh, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members or in my flesh. So this is his conclusion for a moment here. He asks this question. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. In other words, I still find myself battling sin. But I have a Savior in Christ the Lord. Wretched man that I am, what am I going to do? I'm going to rest in Jesus Christ because the plan of God's to bring me into a sense of peace. The peace that God wants to bring to us is a peace with Him. To be at peace with Him. You see, because of sin, we are at odds with God. God is a holy God. It says that we, to come into His presence, must be holy as well. How many sins does it take to take away the word holy? One. And we have all sinned. We've also fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need someone to intercede. We need a priest, a high priest to intercede for us. And Jesus Christ, all through the book of Hebrews, talks about He is a high priest who has, has, has sacrificed Himself to do this for us. And so we can rest with this confidence. It says, wretched man that I am, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's what God has provided for me. And as a result of doing this, even though I still will be battling in my flesh the things that, that uh, sin and, and the things of this world, even though that will continue, I have a absolute confident hope as I rest in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, of life has set you free in Christ, just from the uh, Jesus in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. 
We are so blessed. The result of this confidence that we put in Jesus Christ, not only no condemnation on us, but listen to this part out of Romans chapter 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the, if you live to the, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. The idea to suffer with Him is to just simply, you are willing to stand up and identify yourself as a Christian. Now, in our culture, there's very little suffering for that. In other cultures, it's to put your life on the line. To enter into this relationship with God that puts us at peace with Him, realizing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes, our heart to what Jesus Christ has done for us all who believe, puts us in a position again, looking at the book of Romans. Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Meaning our hope will be absolutely delivered. We will find, not only in this life as we rest in it, but as we come face to face with God, we will find that we are at peace with Him. We are received by Him. We sang about the second coming of Christ and the, you know, the longing, I think Paul's words, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. Uh, and how that is uh, a reasonable prayer for all of us. The peace of Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that. Through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we are saved. This is the purpose of Christmas. That's why I turned around to say the cross. The person who put this, this together saw the, the reality, the full picture that needed to be seen. The birth of Christ and the cross. Christ came into the world so that His sacrifice on the cross would save all who would follow after Him, who would believe, who would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. And the idea to believe in your heart is to truly receive, to believe. You say, well, that really happens in the mind. The idea is the, the, the core of who we are has received 
and believes that God is who He says He is. Christ is the Son of God. He went to the cross paying the price. The reason for Christmas was to bring salvation. Christ became a man. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, He emptied Himself and became a man. goes on to talk about He became a servant to men, even to the point of the cross. This is the purpose of Christmas. And I read a most interesting article. This must have been a couple of weeks ago now. And it caught my interest because it was written by someone who I thought or had heard. I had never read anything that he had written before, but uh, was a Christian author. And he says, we need to take the Christ out of Christmas. And I looked at that like, that's contradictory. We've been saying for how long? Put the Christ back into Christmas because of the symbolic Xmas, you know. And, and uh, by the way, the X is the, 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 the word from uh, the, the Greek letter for Christ. So actually, we've never done it. But, but you know, the reality is we, we had this thing, put the Christ back into Christmas. Don't get so caught up with the celebration of the world, but, but really focus on what is the reality the love of God revealed in, a, in the Son, born and emptied Himself, born a man to sacrifice Himself on the cross, the perfect sacrifice. And I thought about this as I, saw, I read the article, and his, his, his whole thing was is that we need to put Christ into every day. We need to put our relationship with God into every day. We don't need to... We, we, it's nothing wrong. He wasn't saying anything wrong with celebrating the birth of Christ and, and the fact that some... You know, historically, can we pinpoint it to the 25th of December? No. But taking a day, celebrating the birth of Christ, honoring what He did, that He emptied Himself became a man to, to, to save us, that's an awesome thing to do. But it, the attitude that we seem to rally to as Christians on Christmas and at Easter actually need to be something we rally to on a daily basis. That was what he was getting at. Every day. You're to celebrate what Christ has done for us. I had an acquaintance uh, passed away a few years ago. Went to Mexico with every year when we were working in Mexicali uh, at a church there. And, and, and uh, he, he and I were put into the, the same room. Uh, to, to, we stayed with families, hosts from the church that we worked with there. Uh, and uh, he, we put, a, we did a big medical clinic because you know Mexicali. I don't know what you know about it, but they show you pictures of all these uh, immigrants that are surrounding Mexicali and living in tent cities. Well, that's been going on for for years and years and years and years. These people coming up from Central America and Southern Mexico, trying to hopefully one day get into the United States. 
And so we set up medical missions to to work with those people, and, and uh, we worked with uh, Spanish doctors or Mexican doctors that uh, uh, would help them get oriented to where they could get the help they needed from what hospital to go to and all this type of thing. And it was it was really a, uh, an enjoyable mission. But this guy that I was put to, uh, in a room to sleep with, he also had sleep apnea. And, and so we're both horrendous snorers if their mask slips off, whatever. And they figured we sh- they, it wasn't fair to put us with anybody else. And uh, But when he woke up in the morning, the, f- the first words that is out of his mouth was, Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the day you have given me. Use me. And it wasn't something that he was trying to impress me with. That's what he says every morning when he gets up. It's his first prayer. That so impacts me when I think about how lazy I am sometimes. And so I I put this to us uh, as we look at this. Every day, every breath, uh, we're to celebrate Jesus Christ and what God has done. God is the God of all creation and the author of our salvation that was planned before the foundation of the world that we might have eternal life. Sunday mornings, weekly, we get together and we celebrate this same picture. We do it with communion. As we share in communion in our congregation, we have two trays up here. And this is a result since COVID, in the time of COVID. Uh, we don't pass the tray anymore. But what we do is uh, we ask people to come up while we're singing the communion song and pick up the communion. On this side, there's a cup with a packet. You pull off the top, there's the bread. You pull off the second lid, there's the, the, the juice through the vine. Okay, And so that's one way we serve it. The other way... We have two cups, one cup inside the other. The pull them apart. One cup has the bread. The other cup has the juice. And so I ask you to come up as we're singing the communion song, pick up the communion, go back to your sheets, and hold it until we've all been served, and we'll share communion together. So let's go ahead and sing the song, Brad. Fiction. 
fountains open deep and wide Through the floodgates of God's mercy Float a vast and gracious light Grace and love like mighty rivers Poured in zest from above And tempts peace and perfect justice Kiss the guilty world in love. In thy truth thou dost direct me, by thy spirit through thy word, and thy grace my need is meeting, as I trust in thee my Lord. Gospel of Matthew. It is recorded. Now, as they were eating, this is during the Passover, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And Jesus took a cup. When He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink it, drink again of the fruit of the vine, until the day when I drink it new with you in My Father's kingdom. Let's share. Tied to communion, it's the picture that Jesus is coming again. I love it that it's a full round. We celebrate what He has done at His first advent and we look ahead to His second advent. Let's pray. Father, we again thank You for the opportunity to gather together today to fellowship in singing, breaking of bread, Lord, in prayer and in the opening of Your Word. And we ask that You would use these times that we've spent together, Lord, to remind us through the week of the love of the mercy and the grace that You've lavished on us. We worship You. We praise You. And we thank You for all that You have done, are doing, and are yet to do. And with Paul, I find myself frequently saying, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close, please? We have uh, some refreshments in the back.
some holiday goodies. And if we're fast enough, we'll get there before the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, the first Noel. You guys have a great week. Noel means news. And uh, we've got a great news to be able to share with people in a, in a great opportunity, a unique opportunity during this time of the year to be able to share that good news. And uh, take the opportunity to do that. Let's sing the first Noel. The first Noel The angel did say Was to Bethlehem Shepherds in fields as they lay In fields where they Lay keeping their sheep On a cold winter's night That was so No way. 